Welcome, everybody, to the Leaders Navigators podcast. I'm David Irvin. I'm the Leadership Development Specialist and best-selling author, and I want to welcome you to this episode with Haley, my amazing daughter, Hello. and myself. So we are here. We're delighted. Now, listen, Haley, uh, you just got back from your honeymoon, and I you uh, want to tell the world where you have been? Yeah, so we're, you know, this was just our, like, mini-moon, I guess. Um, you know, we're we're pretty lucky to get summers off being teachers. So this summer we just did a little bit of camping and did a little bit of the city life in Toronto. And then next summer when things are a little bit less chaotic for traveling, uh, we hope to get to Europe somewhere. We're still deciding where, but that's a, that's a later problem. But this was just a nice little way to, to merge getting outside in the Muskoka region and tiny cow cottage and, and then enjoying some stuff in downtown Toronto. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, while we were brainstorming here before our episode, but what we were going to talk about today, and the first thought that came to your mind was the idea of tough conversations. How do you how do you stay authentic when you're having tough conversations? So I just wanted to get a little bit of your perspective on what you were where was where did that come from? Where did that thinking about tough conversations and having a a conversation about tough conversations come from? Yeah, great question. I think so much of uh, stress and anxiety and things like that between people and, and, you know, um, stems from a lack of mis or like a lack of communication and sort of assuming what the other person is feeling or going through um, and making all these assumptions and like making up these narratives, if you will, um, instead of understanding what's actually going on uh, and remembering too that I truly believe that no one has really bad intentions. Um, I believe that everyone has good intentions at heart. Maybe that's a bit naive and optimistic for me uh, to feel that way, but truly, usually, like most times in my experience, um, you know, if there is some sort of conflict or, or something happening, it's, it's a miscommunication problem. It's people not being open or authentic. And I think it can solve a lot of stress and anxiety between people, between colleagues, family members, friends, um, to just sort of get it all out in the open, hash it out in a time and place that works best for both people, um, just to be able to move on productively. Um, so, yeah, so I think, especially dealing with teenagers and having been a teenager once myself, uh, it seems to be a, a particularly you know, time, a, a time particularly rife with uh, drama, if you will. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, what I come across, Haley, in, in my work with leaders in organizations is that people often ask me about getting ideas on how they can have that, what they call tough conversation. And to me, it's tough conversations is what generally is a downstream exchange. It's 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 what happens when a lot of stuff upstream didn't get handled properly. Mm -hmm. And so we could teach a whole course here. We'd have a whole course here on on having difficult conversations. But I'm going to narrow it to how do we improve our upstream conversations so that it makes the downstream conversations just a little bit easier. And so and I'm going to start with the notion, I don't think we're really clear upstream about what we expect from each other. I don't think when we start a project, we don't get clear about the parameters and our expectations. You know, you know this um, as a teacher, 
that one of the first things that you got to do when you move into a classroom, I'm assuming, is to set up a clear understanding of expectations of each other and then get clear agreements around those expectations. Request A request is not an agreement where we really get a clear understanding of what our expectations are and a clear understanding of how we're gonna manage the process of managing our expectations of each other. Absolutely. So, hey, if we get off the rails, how will we talk about it? And yeah. the, the thing is we, we tend to do as human beings, you know, it gets back to, this, to the urgency and the, import, the urgent and the important. We don't pay attention to stuff until it becomes urgent. Yeah. So we hire people based on their skills, for example, and then they, you know, there's a, there's, you know, there's a famous, you know, there's a well-known line that we hire for skills and we fire for attitude because we, you know, so we, we have to have those tough conversations about their attitude downstream. Well, did we in the job interview, for example, have a conversation about what's expected in terms of not just performance, but what's expected in terms of attitude, what do you, what's needed for support? and get an agreement around these are the behaviors that we expect here can we count on this and then how, and then we you know we're going to talk regularly to make sure that you, i'm meeting your expectations you're meeting mine and it just makes the downstream conversation so much more easy if you get the clarity upstream yeah for sure and i think too recognizing that it's okay for expectations to be organic and to be you know, to pivot and to change and move as the, as the, as the, you know, project goes along, but to make sure that it's a two-way communication, right? It's what you expect from other people and it's what other people expect from you and having those conversations regularly in an equal fruitful way that isn't demanding. Um, it's all about, you know, checking in with other people and the value of feedback, I think too, um, I think not in, like not enough organizations offer regular feedback to employees um, about good and bad things, right? I think that's a huge thing. And just even talking to my sister, um, who's right now in, in training to be a police officer, um, she she gets regular feedback from her instructors uh, and how valuable that is, right? Uh, it can it can really help. Um, understand when you're on the right track in terms of meeting expectations, when you're exceeding expectations, and when there are areas for improvement, because guessing and assuming is not helpful or productive for anybody. Um, and so valuing communication and valuing feedback and valuing that it's okay if you can't do something yet, what will it take to, to be able to do it in the long run, right? And, and, and recognizing that all people's skill set and attitudes can be in flux and can change. It's just recognizing that talking about it and communicating it the whole way through can be really important. What I find the juggernaut, the real um, block in this is getting, is having the, 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 I'm going to call it the easy, tough conversation, but it's still a challenging one, but it's still required, as I say, upstream to get really clear. What do I expect from you? And can I, can I just ask you, Haley, where you might run into some challenges what makes it hard to be clear about expectations of another person, whether you're beginning a school year, whether you're beginning a, a work project, uh, whether you're beginning a marriage, what makes it difficult to talk about those expectations? I think, <clears throat> I think 
it's when both parties are seeking to understand the party as opposed to trying to communicate their point of view and win somebody over to their point of view. I think it needs to be about two people sharing um, what, like they're seeking to understand the other person. Uh, and it's not about, I need you, I need to change your mind. Here's my point of view. It's my way or the highway. You need to come on board my ship. It needs to be about seeking to understand where the other person is coming from. Right. And it's about that, like, it's that empathy. It's that two-way communication, whether that's a boss employee relationship, you need to understand where the other person is coming from. Um, Cause that's going to avoid a lot of those, you know, difficult conversations downstream. Right. But it's seeking to understand not to, communicate your point of view all the time, if that makes sense. Have you got an example of that by any chance? Yeah, for sure. Um, like, for example, uh, I'll look at it from a, a teacher-student perspective, for example. Um, so, you know, if I don't, I, I've had this happen a couple of times with students They're, you know, they ask me, why don't I have things marked yet? <laughs> Has this marked yet? <laughs> right. Um, sitting down with these students and helping them understand no it's not marked yet because you submitted it this morning and I've been teaching all day and it is now 2 30 uh and I in fact helped you over lunch prepare for the next test that's why it's not marked yet when would I have marked it right obviously in a way that's you know that you know you can tease them about it whatever if, as long as you have a good relationship with it right but you help and but then also understanding where they're coming from they're really proud of their piece they're really excited for me to take a look at it and they're searching for feedback right so for me to seek to understand where they're coming from and for them to seek to understand where i'm coming from that's where both parties can go away feeling productive and having had a good conversation instead the opposite could be I go and I talk to my colleague, oh my God, this kid won't stop hounding me about marking this thing. The, the, the student goes back to the other students, oh my God, they haven't marked anything yet. Uh, and there's just this sort of like tension that is created as opposed to two parties coming together and trying to seek to understand where the other person is coming from, if that makes sense. Okay, so it makes total sense. So you bring up a really good point where you say, hey, we have a relationship. Yes. We can, we can yeah. kind of tease each other and, yeah. <laughs> and joke. So a big part of having tough conversations is investing in that relationship account so that you have a you have something to withdraw from because when you have an expectation of somebody and they're not meeting that expectation and you need to address the situation and you've never invested in that relationship it's a whole lot different. For example, if you talk to an employee every 3 months and the only time you talk to them is to deliver bad news because they're not meeting an expectation. You got no leverage to build on. Yeah. What's your take on that? Absolutely, right? And it's recognizing that the situation is difficult, not the people are difficult, right? It's the situation that's where the problem is. It's not the people, right? And so if you have these relationships with people where you can have positive conversations, there's just as much value in positive feedback as there is in negative feedback, right? Um, along the whole way, because that will help support the idea that it's people are there and it's the situation itself that can be the challenge or the difficulty. It's not people. Right. Um, so, you know, if that's where you, you know, you value the time, you value the, the person and you value the relationship with them so that when a difficult situation comes up, you know, it's, it's about the situation. It's not about the people, if that makes sense. It does. So how does one build those relationships in the workplace. Now, in the virtual world, it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, 
in a teacher's world, it's a challenge because you've got all these teachers that are doing their own individual thing in their own individual classrooms. What what is required from a leader? In I'll just put it in your world. How do you build those relationships to make sure that you've got something to withdraw from? It's like a deposit into a a relationship account. Uh, so you, you know, if you've got something there to build on, you got a lot more room to make mistakes, to be imperfect when you're having what we call tough conversations? I think number one is valuing the time and valuing the person and also valuing the time. So that's a huge one that I see quite often where um, it's a meeting that takes two hours when it could have been a, 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 a short email, right? That's not respecting and valuing other people's time. Right. Or, um, you know, I, I know I fully recognize that I'm fully guilty of this, but, um, you know, if, if during my prep period, um, you know, I, I, you know, you go and you chat with other people instead of actually getting work done, that's not necessarily valuing time of other people. Right. So it's respecting the time of other people. Uh, and that could just mean, hey, I can see you're in the middle of something. Let me know when you have a second and I would love to chat about it then. Uh, it could mean, Hey, uh, I have a really difficult conversation that I need to have with you. Let me know when a good time is and when you're in a good headspace for us to have that conversation, right? It's respecting the, the time needs of other people, right? So I think that's a huge thing. It's that, that respect piece. Um, I think uh, another one is, um, you know, when somebody is doing a good job, making sure that you acknowledge that, right? In an authentic way. Obviously, it's it's you know, feedback, good feedback is not just good job. It's, Hey, I recognize that you were really clear with your, your expectations in this one email. And I really like how you laid out the overall plan of this project, whatever being very specific with your praise will help you be really specific with, you know, critical feedback, right? Um, the specific, as opposed to just good job or that was terrible, right? But having very clear feedback can be really, really helpful along the way. And that can even be colleagues. That doesn't have to be a power dynamic there. It doesn't have to be boss employee. It doesn't have to be teacher student. It can be with colleagues too. Um, you know, I, I really am trying to, to compliment um, my colleagues' teaching styles. That's I work in a field where there isn't a lot of opportunity for feedback amongst teachers just because you kind of work in isolation. So if I have the opportunity to see a a teacher's lesson that I really liked, um, you know, complimenting them on the structure of their lesson or of that really unique assignment that I got to see um, and searching those opportunities out because I find that that can be a really useful thing. Um, And if I do need to have a really difficult conversation, seek to understand the other person, but begin it with how you feel how you are impacted by it. Not you did this wrong, but I'm feeling like I am not being valued in this company. I feel like I'm not, that my work is not being appreciated. Uh, I feel like I'm not getting authentic enough feedback for the work that I'm doing, right? If you come at it from that way and then listen to where the other person is coming from, it can be the most effective way, at least in my experience, to uh, resolving conflict from a relationship people first perspective as opposed to, you know, something else. So you've just brought up two really good points. So a downstream, even if you have to have a downstream conversation, it's a tough conversation. Start with listening. And what I find with listening is when you're listening, 
you can relax a little bit yes. and yes. and uh, and and not put all the pressure on yourself to have to come up with the answer. And yeah. you show respect by listening and by finding out their perspective and giving them the benefit of the doubt that we're all trying the best. We, nobody wakes up in the morning trying to screw the world up. I mean, I'm I, I'm sure assuming that there are a few psychopaths in the world and well, many psychopaths in the world, but that's not who we're talking about dealing with here. We're talking about dealing with good civil people, and we just need to remember that. The other thing you also mentioned there is another upstream conversation is this whole notion of languages of appreciation and really knowing people enough to know how to make those deposits into that relationship account in a way that's real and authentic. So, for example, some people, you you build that relationship by leaving them alone and trusting them and saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to give you that space in your prep period to uh, to work. And I'm not going to put demands or 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 have expectations from you uh, during that time. Another person might you might make those deposits by uh, by giving lots of encouragement and lots of words and lots of praise that are that, that are very words oriented. So I think it's really important to know who your who your stakeholders are and know how do they need to be shown appreciation. And I don't think it hurts to have it early as early as possible, even in the hiring process or in the onboarding process when people first come into an organization. Listen, we want to show appreciation to you. How do you find it best to be appreciated. What's your way? What's your language of being shown appreciation? And along the same lines of that too, it's like some conversations I've had with with colleagues. Um, you know, teaching uh, people that I've co-taught with. Um, you know, being a mentor teacher to student teachers. Some really important conversations can happen with um, when you are not having a good day or when you are feeling frustrated. How can I best meet you? Right. And for some people, it's leave me alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, I just need to sit and stew. For some people, that means hashing it out right away. Some people need a little bit of time to sort of collect their thoughts. Um, and some people need to do it in writing. Right. And recognize that different people have different needs when it comes to that kind of, of thing. Um, and then communicating it yourself when you're at that kind of when you're in that kind of position. Hey, I'm not in a good headspace right now to communicate as clearly and thoughtfully as I would like please come back to me in a couple hours when I can collect my thoughts. Um, hey, I recognize how you're feeling. Let me, you know, journal about it uh, and I'll come back to you with a letter, right? And recognizing that different people have different needs for, for needing to feel appreciated, but also needing to resolve conflict in different ways, right? And the more clear you can be about your own expectations about what you need and asking other people what they need um, and just respecting that not everybody needs the same thing, uh, I think is huge as well. Those are those huge, like like you were mentioning, those upstream kind of conversations. Yeah. So again, you bring up another point, which is to make sure that you're in the right. If you're going to have a difficult conversation, which means about being really clear about your expectations and about what your needs are, and uh, you know, and how do we manage these these expectations? You got to be in the right headspace to do that, and you have to respect that the other person also has to be in the right headspace. And so like we were going to record this episode yesterday and I wasn't in the right headspace uh, to do it yesterday. I just come back from Dallas and I needed I needed just some time to just chill and have some downtime. And so it was important. And, you know, and you respected that. 
Um, so we so we make sure that we are on the same wavelength in terms of listen. I, I need to talk to you this week, but when would be a good time this week? Yeah. For and example, literally just today too. Um, my husband, ooh, fun word, um, wanted to play a board game uh, and learn and teach me a new board game this afternoon. And I was not in a headspace to learn it. And I, you know, tried to push through and I tried to push through, but I was not in the right headspace. And he, having known me now really well, said, Hey, it looks like you're not having, you're not in the right headspace for this. Right. He was able to recognize that. And I said, Yep, you're absolutely right. Let's, uh, let's do it another time. Right. And recognizing that that's okay. And it's not, you know, they're not trying to mess up your day. They're just in a different headspace. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you guys are clear about what you need. I so love that. Um, I love there's a, you know, some people think it's quite fluffy, but I find it's a really good way of sort of structuring. I mean, it's, it's more on a personal level as opposed to a professional one, but about the love languages. Um, and I just love it as a metaphor for different people show and um, show love and appreciate love in different ways. Um, so, I mean, this is a very general, broad kind of methodology, um, you know, it's, it works for some people and it doesn't for other people. But what I really like about it is the love languages are, there's five of them and everybody's some combination thereof, but gifts, uh, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time and physical touch. And what I just like about that is that you might be spending your whole life with a person who appreciates words of affirmation, but all you give them is gifts because that's what your love language is. And there's nothing wrong with how you're showing love, but it's not how the other person wants to feel love. Um, and so it's just, it's just good to recognize what other people need and how you yourself might jump to showing or demonstrating that need isn't necessarily what the other person needs. Well, exactly. So let's make this, let's make this real as we wrap this up. I think if we get into, um, managing conflict authentically. I think that's going to be an episode all of its own. <laughs> but just as we wrap this up, one of the things that gets in my way, and I think this is what you and I have in common, let's make this real, is our pleasing nature. <laughs> we are oriented toward making the other person happy, whether responding to the needs of others. And this has been one of the toughest things for me to have those tough conversations where I sit down and say, this is what I need from you. Because I don't know what you find, but for me, it's a lot easier for me to know your needs than it is for me to know my own needs. Yeah. And then what happens is I compromise myself, I give to you, um, I, I please you, and then I end up getting resentful. Uh, and I'm using you as an example here, but I mean, this is a pattern, has been a pattern for me, you know, me over, over my lifetime, where I, I tend to not speak up, I tend to not be clear, and, and then I get resentful. And one of the things, if you're, if you're finding yourself resentful in a relationship, it often means, especially if it becomes a pattern, it often indicates a pattern of not being clear about what you need and not taking a stand and not really bringing what I call your own inner authority forward so that you let the other person know where you stand. And this has been a big barrier for me. And then the tough conversations end up, uh, again, being downstream exchanges where, where I just am at a point of real frustration, where I got to really look upstream and say, listen, I have to take responsibility 
to not be so pleasing. And it's a big difference between caring and pleasing where I got to care about your needs, but not put your needs above my needs. And, and uh, you know, there's constantly a win-win relationship that I want to seek for. But I just know that's been a big challenge for me in having difficult conversations is to really knowing, first of all, what do I need? I may not get what I need. I can't go in and bulldoze my way and use my positional authority. That's not a that that's not authentic to me, but I have to really recognize, first of all, what I need. And it's been difficult for me. It's, it's much, much easier for me to know what you need than it is for me to know what I need. And having tough conversations starts with getting really centered and knowing, hey, what do I want in this exchange? Absolutely. What has that like, what are some specific strategies you've used to sort of avoid like that people pleasing? I mean, it, it's one thing to know what you need, but what does that actually look like? Well, first of all, I need to recognize if I'm caring about somebody, if I'm reaching out and caring and it looks caring, I got to ask myself, what's my motive here? This is when I have my wits about me. When I get lost in just giving another person what they want uh, to please them, there's a good side to that, but I'll lose myself. So just recognize, okay, am I? is this pleasing or is it real caring? Caring says I don't have any expectations. Pleasing, it's coming from insecurity. So it's coming from a place of I'm going to I'm going to give you what you want so that you'll affirm me and help me feel important. And it comes from a place of emptiness and it will always lead to resentment. So if there's resentment in the pleasing, it has it generally for me indicates that that I'm that I'm too I'm pleasing too much and I have to step back and really get myself uh, oriented toward what I want. So the first thing is really recognize is this pleasing or is it caring? And to, and to stop and recognize that. And then what do I need? And then the tough conversation is to express what I need and then let go. And again, it's the difference between wants and needs. I may not, I may not actually need it, but I would really like it in this relationship uh, for us to do this. Now, if we got a job to do together and there's some expectations that I have, then it very much is a need. And I need, you know, I need to be able to express that. But I can't expect the other person to read my mind or to just give me what I need if it's if it's not up front. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It was funny, even literally just an hour ago, we were in line for a smoothie at a restaurant and uh, a woman cut in front of us in line and I just immediately get into resentful, I'm just gonna stand here and not say anything about it. Uh, and AJ, my husband was like, um, uh, excuse me, I'm so sorry, but you know, we were waiting here and the woman was so apologetic and embarrassed and moved behind us in line. And he did it in such a like respectful way. Uh, and just, uh, Hey, yeah, you know what? And I wasn't resentful anymore. And it was so like, that's all it took was just, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. We, we've been here for a little while. Let me explain my situation. Here's what we need. We need to be in line before you because we've been waiting. And this woman was so apologetic and moved back admitted her mistake and moved back. Right. And it stopped me from being bitter and resentful. <laughs> um, cause I wouldn't have said anything. I would have just stewed, um, which is not a healthy, productive place to be. So I think recognizing that, you know, standing up and, and it's a win-win for everybody. Right. When we're, uh, that's a great example. Yeah, when literally we're happened an hour ago. Literally yeah, yeah, hour when ago. we're resentful, it yeah. indicates that we're not taking care of yeah. ourselves. Now, yeah. there's two options. Somebody steps in line like that. And by the way, I always say, and we'll get into this in some more of our episodes, but in order to be authentic, you have to be honest, but yeah. you also have to be res respectful. So you don't have to lose it on her, 
No. You just have to say a simple request. Uh, a sim now, if she could fight and say, well, I don't care. I can, I, you know, and, and she could get belligerent. And then you're at a point where you could either escalate that or you let it go. Yeah. And you say, it's just not that important. I'm not going to lose my peace of mind over this. Today, For an but at least voiced it. Yeah. At least you've expressed it. And you could also make a decision to say, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to sit here in resentment all day. <laughs> I'm just going to simply let it go. It's not that big of a deal, but yeah. then truly let it go. Exactly. But uh, this is how we can help each other because uh, my plea, I, I, I relate to that pleasing nature where we, I just don't say anything and then just seethe inside and get angry inside. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a little example, but it's actually a really good one. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's just, again, to that difficult conversation that, you know, my partner had was, Hey, um, here's how I feel. I feel sorry that I have to tell you this, but you know, we've been waiting for a while, focusing on how we are like, we are good people. It's the situation that's difficult. Clearly communicating what, you know, what, what our needs are in that case. And then the woman responded positively, right? And I think that, you know, if that could be just a little conversation in a restaurant, uh, or that could mean, you know, you're, you need more specific feedback from your boss. So you swing by and say, hey, I feel like I'm not doing the best job that I can. Um, is there any opportunity that we can have at some point in the future? Um, to be able to sit down and discuss my progress in this position. Yeah, it's a great, another great point, as usual, Haley, that uh, if you're not getting enough feedback, take, take responsibility to ask for it. Yeah. And again, if, you know, uh, if you're seething and, and angry because someone's not meeting a need, maybe a need for feedback, appreciation, whatever, take that responsibility, get that on your own. Well, you know, we haven't, uh, this is a topic that we could spend all day talking about. Uh, we certainly haven't uh, given all of our perspective on this topic, but I hope that we've given you something to think about and to reflect on. Anything you want to add as a closing comment? I think just at the core, people are good and people want to help other people at their core. Um, and I think, and everyone's just trying to do the best they can. And I think that's just such a, a good thing to remember always, right? No matter what that person is going through, they're just doing the best they can for that day, right? And, and maybe that's a naive, optimistic way to view things, but I, I, I really do want to believe that, that at their core, everyone's trying to do their best. And 100%. so I think just remembering that always and will help you know, help to understand other people in difficult conversations. And make your expectations clear, yep. let go, yep. and um, and take the time to understand other people's perspective and where they're coming from. Exactly. It was fun. It was, was good. Fun. So what are you grateful for? I was just going to ask you, what am I grateful for? I am grateful for smoothies that I got at the restaurant today. It was delicious. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, we have been, uh, we just finished a TV show called Better Call Saul. The big finale was this week. So I don't know if other people have been watching this, but um, it ends. It's the sort of spinoff series from Breaking Bad, which won a bunch of Emmys a few years ago. And where that series kind of literally the main character breaks bad and, and turns quite bad and, and vile towards the end of the series. Um, what I loved about this series was it was breaking good in that this, this sort of vile character you sort of see him ramp up and get quite bad, but then he had a really nice kind of conclusion. So I'm grateful for that show and I'm grateful for the chats to have with you, dad. How about you? What are you grateful for? 
Well, at this moment, I'm actually grateful that I've got a, a wonderful team around me. I'm just as soon as I get off this call, we're going to have a team meeting and we're planning our upcoming Sage forums, which is a self-awareness group experience. We've developed these Sage forums and there's a whole team of people that are going to facilitate these monthly uh, peer mentoring programs that we've got building. And, and I'm just really grateful for what we're building and the support that I've had around me and finding a way to, to have my message live beyond me. And I'm just very grateful. I'm grateful to have you in my life and to have your passion around this, uh, you know, an energy around this podcast and that we're bringing our message out here in, in an imperfect but a very sincere way. And we hope it's valuable to our listeners. And I'm just, I'm just grateful to be alive today and grateful for my health and uh, my perspective, you know, and what I've been given by some very wise people in my life uh, that are much smarter than me, but uh, people that have influenced my life greatly. So that's a, that's a, get us a bit of a sense of what I'm grateful for. Hooray. And as we always say every week, stay, stay real. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening in, folks, and we'll see you next episode. <laughs>